Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call. My name is Joanna, and I will be your conference operator today. At this time, I would like to welcome everyone to the Endlauer Healthcare Group 2020 Third Quarter Results Conference Call. All lines have been placed on mute to prevent any background noise. Please be aware that certain information discussed today may be forward-looking in nature. Such forward-looking information reflects the company's current views with respect to future events. Any such information is subject to risks, uncertainties, and assumptions that could cause actual results results to differ materially from those projected in the forward-looking information. For more information on risks, uncertainties, and assumptions relating to forward-looking information, please refer to the company's latest MD&A and annual information form, which are available on CDAR. Management may also refer to certain non-IFRS financial measures. Although the company believes these measures provide useful supplemental information about financial performance, they are not recognized measures and do not have standardized meanings under IFRS. Please see the company's latest MD&A for additional information regarding non-IFRS financial measures, including for reconciliations to the nearest IFRS measures. Please note that unless otherwise stated, all references to any financial figures are in Canadian dollars. Following management's remarks, there will be a question and answer session. This call is being recorded on November 11, 2020. I would now like to turn the conference over to Michael Anslauer. Please go ahead, Mr. Anslauer. Thank you, Joanna, and good day, everyone. Thank you for joining us today. With me on the call today, I have Peter Bromley, Chief Financial Officer. Um, following my remarks, Peter will follow with more detailed discussion on our financial performance. I'll conclude with comments on our outlook and growth strategy, and then we'll, we can open up the lines for any questions. Uh, before I begin, I'd, let, I'd be remiss if we didn't pause to remember the sacrifices of many Canadians who have given their lives for the safety and security that we enjoy today in this great country. On this Remembrance Day, the 11th day of the 11th month, we thank the proud men and women of the Canadian Armed Forces and we remember our fallen, lest we forget. We return to a more normalized operating environment in our third quarter as government restrictions related to COVID-19 pandemic were lifted in the last quarter. We saw the return of certain healthcare activities such as elective surgical procedures and the reopening of clinics which use certain products of our clients including dental clinics, optometric clinics, animal health clinics to name a few. This resulted in strong volumes in our logistics and distribution and our ground transportation product lines. Growth in logistics and distribution revenue also reflects the implementation of a significant new client contract and the opening of our new 220,000-square-foot state-of-the-art facility in Brampton in early July. We had continued strong growth in our air freight forwarding and dedicated last-mile delivery product lines in the quarter, while our packaging solutions revenue declined, similar to last quarter, as our operating capacity continues to be temporarily constrained by the measures we have implemented across our operations in response to the COVID-19 
which limited the number of associates in our packaging operations to allow for physical distancing in order to prioritize the safety of our personnel, clients, and suppliers. Our EBITDA increased 13% in the quarter compared to Q3 last year, despite $1.2 million of incremental costs related to share-based compensation arrangements and other public company costs not incurred in Q3 a year ago. Without these incremental costs, our EBITDA would have increased by 20% quarter over quarter. As you know, COVID-19 has been a huge disruption for most companies, including many of our clients, and we were pleased to see things starting to open up three. Throughout this difficult period, our business has shown incredible resilience, and hence we are on track or exceeding our operating budgets year to date. We're an essential business with most of our clients in the healthcare industry, and while our trucks, warehouses, technology, conveyors, facilities getting packages picked and delivered, it's our people who have been key to us, to us exceeding our customer expectations. We have had a truly collaborative effort by everyone, which is a reflection of our strong shared culture at ATS Healthcare, at Acuristics, and at NovaPAC. Our management team continues to meet regularly to assess our business continuity plans, and we are in constant communication with our warehouse personnel, frontline drivers, owner-operators, delivering to the ones in need, and everyone in the supply chain, all of whom have adapted and fully conformed to the changes communicated through our platform. We will continue to monitor COVID-19 and are well prepared to adapt as risk levels rise through the second wave. One final note before turning the call over to Peter. Subsequent to quarter end on October 5th, we announced the completion of our first acquisitions as a public company. We acquired all the issued and outstanding shares of TDS Logistics and McAllister Courier, two regionally focused temperature control transportation businesses, purchased those from AMG for a purchase price of approximately $15.9 million in cash. Together, TDS and McAllister generated approximately $22 million of net revenue in 2019. We're making strong progress in integrating these businesses into our operations as we're very familiar with these companies and have been collaborating with them for several years, and both of them with, with common cost customers as well. These complementary tuck-in acquisitions will increase the reach of our services and further expand our market presence in Ontario. I'd now like to turn the call over to Peter to review our financial performance in more detail. Peter? Thank you, Michael, and good morning, everyone. Revenue for Q3 2020 totaled $75.8 million, an increase of 7% compared with Q3 a year ago. In comparison to Q3 a year ago, revenue in our two largest products, ground transportation and logistics and distribution, were up 3.2% and 18.3% respectively. As Michael noted, this growth reflects the reopening of various human and animal health care services and clinics. Growth in our logistics and distribution revenue also reflects the implementation of a significant new client contract and the opening of our new Brampton facility in July. Our air freight forwarding and dedicated and last mile delivery product lines generated year-on-year growth of 18.3% and 58.3% respectively. Growth in air freight forwarding revenue was, was partially attributable to contractual price increases with the remaining increase reflecting year-on-year volume growth of approximately 15% as customers expedited shipments in order to adjust to more normal levels of national demand while COVID-19 related restrictions eased. Revenue growth in dedicated and last mile delivery reflects expanded 
client routes, which commenced in the second half of 2019. Our Q3 packaging revenue declined 9.4% year over year, reflecting the physical distancing measures that we have implemented across our operations to provide for the safety of our employees, which has temporarily reduced our operating capacity in this product line. Looking at our expenses, cost of transportation and services for the quarter was $30.8 million, or 40.6% of revenue, compared with $29.6 million, or 41.7% of revenue in Q3 last year. The lower cost of transportation and services operating ratio in Q3 reflects lower fuel costs in line with a corresponding decrease in revenue related to fuel and savings achieved by effective management of our variable costs as volume increased through the quarter. Direct operating expenses were $18 million, or 23.7% of revenue, compared with $18.3 million, or 25.8% of revenue in Q3 a year ago. We incurred certain incremental costs in connection with COVID-19 response measures, including additional cleaning activities for our facilities and equipment, expenses for PPE, and other measures impacting productivity. However, these incremental costs were mitigated through effective productivity management and other cost controls. We continued to qualify for Canada Emergency Wage Subsidy Program in connection with our packaging operations in the quarter. A total of $0.9 million was recognized as a reduction of direct operating expense for the quarter as a result of support received under the SUES program. SG&A expenses for Q3 2020 were $6.8 million, or 9% of revenue, compared with $5.1 million, or 7.2% of revenue in Q3 last year. SG&A expenses for Q3 2020 include share-based compensation arrangements of approximately $0.7 million, which are incremental to our historical SG&A expenses. These share-based compensation arrangements relate to the initial stock option grants for our senior management team and deferred share unit grants made to our board of directors. A further $0.5 million is included in SG&A expenses for incremental costs associated with being a public company. Operating income for the quarter was $13.2 million, an increase of 16.3% compared with Q3 last year. Net income and comprehensive income for Q3 2020 increased by 10.7% from Q3 a year ago. Higher segment net income before eliminations for both our healthcare logistics operating segment and our specialized transportation operating segment contributed to the increase, increased profitability on a consolidated basis. Michael referred to our 13% increase in EBITDA for the quarter. Our Q3 2020 EBITDA was $20.2 million compared with $17.9 million in Q3 2019. EBITDA margin for Q3 2020 was 26.6%, up 140 basis points from Q3 last year, as operating ratios in our cost of, uh, for our cost of transportation and services and direct operating expenses were both lower than in Q3 2019. Turning to our balance sheet, as at September 30, 2020, we had cash and cash equivalents of $48.5 million, and our working capital position was $46.9 million. This compares to cash and cash equivalents of $18.7 million and working capital of $30.6 million at our 2019 year-end, reflecting strong cash flows generated by our business in 2020 through the end of the third quarter. As at quarter-end, our $25 million term facility was fully drawn and our $75 million revolving facility remains undrawn. In order to support 
future potential growth through acquisitions, our credit facilities include an accordion feature to allow us to increase the commitment under one or both of the, of the facilities in, in an aggregate principal amount of up to $100 million. This accordion feature remains uncommitted. I now turn it back to Michael for closing comments. Michael. Thank you, Peter. <clears throat> uh, our strong year-to-date performance demonstrates the resilient nature of our business during that what has been a very challenging year. This is due to our exclusive focus on the stable and growing healthcare sector and our ability to effectively manage our network and personnel costs variably with volume. By continually supporting our customers and taking care of their supply chain needs, the continuing growth of the healthcare sector alone will help support strong future performance for AHG. However, we're committed to positioning our platform to continue to outperform. We have made solid progress in advancing our three-part growth strategy. First, we continue to strengthen our clients' connection to our platform by broadening our service offerings. Our expanding dedicated last-mile delivery product line is a good example of this. We continue to increase our capacity to attract both new clients and new business. Since our IPO, we have expanded our facilities in Calgary and opened our new state-of-the-art 220,000-square-foot facility in Brampton. We have allocated half of that facility already, and we have a solid pipeline of opportunities to fill the remaining capacity in the near future, most likely within the next 6 to 12 months. We have also expanded our temperature network in more rural areas in Canada. Thirdly, we are focused on strategic acquisitions to further expand our platform. Our acquisitions of TDS and McAllister is a first step in this process, and we are presently currently evaluating a number of additional opportunities. Finally, I want to let you know that we are also focused on preparing our operations in order to support the eventual distribution of COVID-19 vaccine in a safe, safely and securely for, manner for all Canadians. We are well prepared and are part of a collaborative federal government ITQ submission. With our proven track record of regulatory compliance, Canada's most extensive temperature control distribution platform, and a well-established relationships with leading pharmaceutical companies. That concludes our formal remarks. We'd now like to open the line to questions. Joanna, please commence the Q&A. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, we will now begin the question and answer session. Should you have a question, please press the star followed by the one on your touchtone phone. You will hear a three-tone prompt acknowledging your request. If you are using a speakerphone, please lift the handset before pressing any keys. Your first question comes from Konak Gupta at Scotiabank. Please go ahead. Thanks and uh, good morning, uh, gentlemen. Um, perhaps my first question, I think, Mike, uh, you mentioned uh, in your prepared remarks lastly on the collaborative uh, solution to the ITQ uh, that the, the Canadian government just recently released. I think the, the RFQ or the ITQ uh, was supposed to close on November 9th. Um, was wondering if you have um, any thoughts uh, pertaining to that RFQ. I'm like, it had a lot of requirements for uh, DELs and uh, you know certifications that are required at storage facilities. Obviously, they they want a lot of storage. Um, I mean, like in terms of your own capacity um, for storage as well as transportation and logistics, plus your partnership with air cargo carriers, uh, how much uh, you know more can you provide to the government in addition to what you have, and what would you need to do uh, to add that much capacity? Thanks. Uh, thank you, Konark. Um, 
yeah, that's obviously the elephant in the room these days as I'm looking in the press and the Pfizer announcement and uh, and the like. So, um, <clears throat> firstly, I, I'm uh, to me, it's it's um, it's not necessarily a, the amount of volume. Uh, I, I, we don't anticipate that this vaccine is going to be coming in a, in bulk form. And this is not a like PPE uh, you know product you know uh, which takes more space. Uh, this is going to be very fluid uh, 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 process. It's going to be, uh, we, you know, just like the, just like the vaccine, influenza vaccines today. They don't, they don't, they don't, they don't get stockpiled. Uh, they, they typically come in through the provinces and get distributed relatively quickly. Um, so that's not really as much of an issue as the ability to handle it safely and securely. Um, and, you know, when within our network, uh, you know, uh, and, uh, and I think the the ITQ uh, specified, you know, um, the the importance of having drug establishment licenses to handle such product. Uh, you know, through Accuristics alone, we have seven of our facilities uh, have drug establishment licenses. Um, we uh, through Accuristics, we probably have a, a, the largest amount of, of cubic feet of, of two to eight degree uh, space to handle most of the vaccines that will be going out, except for Moderna and Pfizer. Um, we have plenty of freezer space to accom accommodate Moderna's requirement uh, of, at minus 20. Um, you know, we have 21 facilities across the country through ATS. Most of them are TAPA certified for security. Um, we do have experience with minus 80 product, particularly in the animal health sector, uh, with our, some of our pharmaceutical clients. We understand narcotics, uh, you know, uh, understanding the, the, the importance of security, um, um, and, um, and we actually are in discussion with many of the COVID-19 related uh, companies, uh, you know, that we presently are customers of ours from a national distribution standpoint whether it be Gilead, who uh, had the approval in Canada to distribute Remdesivir, uh, Fresenius Cabi, uh, obviously Pfizer, uh, AstraZeneca, to name, to name a few. So uh, we do have that knowledge. We have the thermal packaging, obviously. We're, 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 the, you know, the importance, having said all this, I guess my point is, is the, the vaccine, it's for all Canadians. It's not, it's not, uh, not for some, and, uh, you know, from coast to coast to coast. And, uh, uh, you know, in this ITQ, I, as a proud Canadian, uh, I, you know, you have to check your ego at the door. This is going to be uh, front and center, and and security and safety uh, is is the is whether it be from data from a data perspective. Uh, so collaboration is going to be key, um, and between uh, with it, our relationships uh, with. Uh, wholesalers, PPLs, and and uh, and the network that we have, I think that's more important to, in, in to ensure the safe and secure uh, supply versus making sure you have enough warehouses uh, for for this product. Sorry for the long-winded question, but this is <laughs> I expected no, I that question. You know, I, I, yeah. I, I think there's a lot of uh, obviously uncertainties and questions, so I'm, I'm, I appreciate your uh, color there. Um, then maybe moving on to your recent tuck-ins, uh, TDS and MCI. Um, just wondering, how do you uh, plan to consolidate uh, those two acquisitions across your five product lines? And uh, 
the $22 million net revenue. Um, is that, that was for 2019. Uh, would you expect that number to have gone up this year uh, in line with your other businesses? Um, yeah, so I, uh, from the five product lines, I would probably, uh, this is more on the air freight forwarding and ground transportation components of our business. Uh, it is actually ATS uh, internally that's, that's, uh, that uh, spearheaded that acquisition. Um, it's complementary to their network. It helps expand their network. It also expands uh, the last mile, actually, uh, with uh, with a dedicated uh, a business with, with TDS uh, that ha- that has a, a dedicated routes with the largest largest wholesaler in this country, uh, and um, uh, so from that standpoint, uh, easy to integrate, uh, complementary to add value. Add is probably it was more to increase our network. Um, particularly in southwestern Ontario, and to have more touch places to every pharmacy and hospital in, this, in, in, in Ontario. Okay, thanks for that. And then lastly for me before I turn it over, on, uh, on your leases, um, um, do you expect uh, the, the renewals, which are, I'm guessing, must be ongoing an ongoing process for you, but uh, the renewals on the leases for the facilities and buildings, you know, and other things, um, are those, uh, are you expecting the rates uh, to increase on those, uh, you know, above inflation over time uh, as demand uh, for, for land and footprint increases across the uh, freight industry, or uh, these are pretty much contained and locked in rates uh, for the long term? So, Connor, that's a great observation. It's something that's, uh, Keeping me up at night as leases at leases come up, uh, but at the end of the day, it's it's a level playing field, so I'm not I'm not overly worried about it. it the, but you are right, uh, leases are 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 increasing, uh, just like insurance rates are going through the roof right now as well. Um, the uh, and it's it's quite significant. Um, we had one instance with one of our facilities where our lease rates, uh, the net rates, actually went up by by over 40%. Uh, same building, same facility, renewal. Um, I, obviously, this is uh, the REITs are taking advantage of this, and, and I guess good on them. And but uh, it is a level playing field, and it, obviously there'll be some adapt, adapting to do. Similarly, that you know when. Premier Wynn decided to increase minimum wage some years ago. Uh, there need to be to to adapt to the the situation, and um, uh, we are fortunate that we have many leases that are uh, long term. Uh, some new buildings that we got involved in, you know, a couple of years back that that have well, I guess what in the end we'll probably have under market rates or, or are, we're already under market uh, rates as they are. So. Um, uh, but you are absolutely correct with that observation. Uh, it definitely will be above uh, inflation rate, and, and that will in fact probably accuristics the most uh, in light of the fact that their second largest cost is is uh, is is rent. Right, that makes sense. Um, that's all my question. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. The next question comes from Walter Spracklin at RBC Capital Markets. Please go ahead. Yeah, thanks very much, operator. Good morning, everyone. Good morning, so, um, 
Uh, I'd like to come back to the vaccine distribution uh, uh, RFP there. And, and when I read it, I, it almost seems tailor-made for your company. I mean, it's talking about temperature control. It's talking about time-sensitive, national distribution. I mean, this is going to be a vaccine that the government will want to get to every Canadian as fast as possible. Um, I look at your company, and I can't think of one better suited to do that. And and so I, I but I, I'm getting a sense that you're kind of downplaying the potential impact. Um, not, you know, is there any way you can frame it in terms of what the incremental potential, like if you do win a portion of this, this contract as it's laid out in the way that you expect to win it, um, you know, just if you could size the opportunity in any way for us to give, you know, because there's a lot of investors that, that believe it to be immaterial. There's those that believe it to be very material. So there's a lot of varying expectations out there as to the distribution of the vaccine and the impact it would have on your company. So any color you could provide in kind of quantifying the potential incremental impact be very helpful. Walter, um, yeah, I've I've seen the the, the you know the liter- the print about this, and you know whether it be called windfalls or or the legs. Uh, I don't I don't look at it that way, Walter. Uh, first of all, it's too early to tell. Uh, this is a collaborative effort uh, amongst uh, not only uh, in our case we're looking at it from a collaborative effort with respect to other other partners in the in the healthcare industry to ensure that we have. Uh, every Canadian can can get uh, have access, uh, quick access, and uh, um, and that's that's a that's you know that's a that's a monumental task, um, you know from a security standpoint as well. Uh, this will probably be the most sought after product uh, you know in the new year uh, globally, um, but. It, this is this is a collaborative effort between federal governments, provincial governments, who who have typically taken on the task of distribution. So it, it's there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of information still to be uh, found out whether the gov- provincial governments want to handle it on their own, which they've had success handling influenza vaccines, uh, and they have the network to 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 uh, to, to provide that. So. At the end of the day, I look at it from a standpoint of not dollars and cents, um, but ensuring that we have the right model to support uh, that every Canadian has has their vaccine. I know I almost sound political saying this, but I, I, I as a proud Canadian, as a Canadian company, I'm, I'm uh, uh, to me this is a, this is a, a this is important. Execution is probably the most important uh, right now uh, versus looking at dollars and cents. And you've had a great track record. Uh, from an execution standpoint, so uh, so no, that 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 makes a lot of sense. If I were to go now into your, you know, go back to your IPO and and um, look at some of the you know the framework that you provided investors about your revenue growth opportunity over the next couple of years, and then you know pepper in you know uh, uh, this 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 huge event uh, in 2020. How does that you, you know I want to try to figure out how that changes. Uh, the outlook, um, you know, adding in the, the acquisition as well, and starting perhaps with uh, uh, with your ground transportation, you've kind of articulated, you know, this is a business that will grow in the mid to high single, or call it the high end of the mid single digit range. You know, you add in an acquisition here. Is it fair to say that even excluding a, a vaccine, 
with the acquisition, you're, you're now in firmly in the high single digit category for 2021 um, and possibly into double digits. Is that, am I looking that the right way, looking just at ground transportation? Yeah, for, so from a ground transportation standpoint, it's probably our most solid uh, network uh, from a business standpoint in terms of penetration. Uh, we continue to try to expand it by getting into rural areas uh, where uh, we can be uh, more uh, compliant um, uh, for Health Canada um, and uh, create the economies of scale uh, to you know different continue to to, to focus on that. Um, I I see uh, you know just as a side note the, you know we, we looked at we grew by 3.2 percent but. Uh, there was uh, the fuel surcharge component of it, which is really a pass-through. Uh, uh, if if, if it were comparing apples to apples quarter to quarter, we would have grown by 8%. Um, uh, so that fuel surcharge was a was a was a was a, uh, not quite as impactful from a revenue standpoint. Well, it actually, did impact revenue to, to uh, negative. So I feel confident with the, the mid. Uh, you know, mid to high single digit um, growth. Uh, we're right amidst right now of budgeting for next year. Um, <laughs> elections time. Early numbers coming in here are looking are looking at as uh, as, uh, as 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 uh, you know business as usual uh, from a growth standpoint. Uh, obviously, if we can if we can focus on acquisitions, uh, which I have you know for the first time. Really, in my life, I've, I've actually focused more on acquisitions. Um, we can obviously take that number to double digits. Great. Uh, moving now to uh, to your logistics, that was growing at double digit with the new expansion, new new uh, um, uh, new customer ads that you you successfully brought on, and, and we saw the 18% uh, that you delivered in in the third quarter here. As we look into Next year is the low double digits still on the table? Would you say for uh, for 2021? Yeah, I think I, I, that probably you know this this is a business that come a kind of a step uh, you know kind of a step uh, growth type of uh, even from an EBITDA standpoint. You kind of you know you got you're, we're filling a lot of empty space right now, um, but are born with the costs um, uh, there. Uh, I. I I anticipate that you know there's there's a lot there's a lot of interest uh, in the pipeline as as Konarka alluded to earlier on uh, there's you know there's a lot of space a lot of people are beginning are looking at their at their numbers and and looking at the costs and trying to understand uh, uh, how how they can maybe change their ways from insourcing to outsourcing um, to keep their costs more variable than. Than what, uh, uh, so I, I would anticipate to answer your question, long answered. Uh, lo- uh, I would anticipate that to be probably closer to 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 a double digit, uh, uh, low double double digits. Appreciate the time as always, Mike. Hope you're well. Thank you. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. As a reminder, should you have any questions, please press star one. The next question comes from Andrew Lino at National Bank. Please go ahead. Hi, uh, good morning, and thanks uh, for taking my questions. Uh, the first one, I'll, I'll uh, take it uh, back as well to, to the vaccine situation uh, on the COVID. And so a two-part question. The first, 
One being uh, Pfizer announces that they want to handle their own distribution uh, of that uh, COVID vaccine. I mean, that, does that impact you more or less? I mean, does it create any opportunities? Like, what is your take on that one would be the first question. And the second one, and perhaps as it relates to the ITQ, but there was a white paper by a vaccine uh, wholesaler that, that came out in September, and they're calling the government of Canada to relax some of their uh, temperature regulations, well, as it pertains to the pharmaceutical ones, to kind of open up more, let's say, food temperature regulated spaces. Uh, how, how do you view that? I mean, do, uh, does it have any impact on your assumptions and expectations for distribution? Hi, good morning. Uh, I, I, I would uh, I would use the word efficacy uh, as as the uh, as the answer to both of those questions. Um, so certainly, uh, you mentioned Pfizer. Uh, what is, so that they're they're a client of ours uh, um, uh, on the pharmaceutical side, have been for many years uh, uh, on the distribution and on the transportation side. Uh, we're familiar with them. We under, we um, we when we look at this business, and obviously they're made, they, it's made the the press. Uh, in, in, on both the south of the border and here, uh, about and I've had more people text me to say, "Hey, do you handle minus 75 or minus 80 or whatever?" The reality is that that vaccine, amongst all of them, is the most complex. Uh, so for Pfizer, and it, it it requires it's not as if you can cre create a you know a freezer with with uh, you know space uh, and have it uh, have it uh, even though we do do. Work for the uh, animal health uh, industry. We have we have that uh, that knowledge, um, but the, the it is a very complex. And for Pfizer, obviously, efficacy is is very important in their world. Uh, it's their reputation, and they don't want uh, they don't they want to have total control. And that's one of the things that's important through this distribution is control, whether it be from security or from a temperature management standpoint. Uh, visibility to uh, you know lot controls uh, if anything goes wrong uh, with any of the products etc cetera, etc cetera. Uh, so that that uh, is and we and we are in discussions and we're there for them uh, the product is going to be coming out of Kalamazoo uh, Michigan and um, for the Canadian portion and we will uh, wait and see and that's like I said before it's too early to tell uh, you know the, how how it's going to come in quantities, uh, how it's going to cross the border, um, repack. We have the ability to repack. Obviously, the, these these vaccines are going to be from the manufacturers are not going to come in in dosage directly to the inoculation center in 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 the, in, in prepacked that way. It's going to be coming in bulk. There's going to be have to be some sort of rehandling, and that goes back to now. It leads into your second question. Uh, which basically is uh, why would Health Canada want to uh, make uh, temperature control more lenient uh, and 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 uh, deal with uh, efficacy issues uh, for the safety of Canadians? Um, so to me, I don't I don't understand the logic when today we're able to provide that that uh, that service. Okay, uh, great. Thank you uh, very much uh, for that answer. Uh, and, and still uh, sticking with the vaccine, but more on the flu uh, vaccine side, I mean, there's been reports of a pretty high demand and pneumonia as well 
uh, in Europe and then uh, North America as well, high demand for the flu vaccine. Are you seeing any of these trends in Q4 uh, in, in your business? And uh, are you able to provide any es estimate of what the incremental demand uh, would be with this uh, uh, higher demand or incremental dollars, I mean, let's say, or growth? Um, I, I know that there's there's been requests for extra two to eight storage for the flu because of, uh, uh, well, the travel vaccine, uh, that, that's, that's not going anywhere, that's staying put, but uh, uh, certainly there's been a higher demand this year than, than, than ever before. So, but it, it's, you know, as I alluded to uh, with Conarch at the first question, it's not a matter of space. Um, uh, it's you know maybe a bit more volume, but it's it's in you know it's much smaller quantity and it flows it flows in and out uh, as as it comes in. Um, so um, as it comes in, typically it it, it goes through the channels very much quicker than uh, uh, over the counter drugs or, or or prescription drugs. Okay, uh, and, and it's only you know you're you're talking about three you know a, a three month three three month process really three four month process. Okay, great. No, thanks for the caller. Uh, the next uh, question for me before I uh, get back in the queue, uh, but for the overall revenue growth in Q3, you mentioned the resumption of elective surgeries, reopening of some of your uh, uh, client clinics. Was there any pent-up demand being filled in this quarter, or would you describe the level of activity you saw in Q3 as a normal course? Um, I, I, I guess that from a, from a sales standpoint, uh, from a retail sales standpoint, I would think that it, that probably that there was probably pent up demand. Uh, but because we're moving, you know, boxes and pallets and and storing, uh, it, it, the incremental, the the, the it, it's not as if we it created more shipments. It's you know, it's one delivery, maybe slightly bigger uh, versus multiple shipments uh, over you know a period of time. So. Uh, I, I, we didn't really see much of an impact, you know. And then there were other clients who are still suffering from the COVID. Uh, I, I, I talked about travel vaccines as an example. Uh, that's still, you know, that, that, that those volumes are still way down uh, for some of our clients. There. Um, so um, hopefully that answers your question. Oh, it does. It does. I'll, I'll jump back and take you. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you. There are no further questions in queue. You may proceed. Well, thank you, and uh, happy Remembrance Day to all. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, this concludes your conference call for today. We thank you for participating, and we ask that you please disconnect your lines. Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.